writing standards in preschool and the early elementary years. It's coming up on the Teaching Literacy Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Teaching Literacy Podcast. I am your host, Jake Downs, with Patrick Wells helping out on the back-end production. Very grateful to have you here today with the podcast. As I hit record here on this episode, it is December 31st, 2022, so this will obviously be the last episode of the year. And what a year 2022 was. We had some great guests on the podcast. I personally learned so much from these conversations, and I, I hope you are learning from them as well. A big thanks to our guests, big thanks to our listeners, and I am looking forward to seeing what 2023 has in store for the Teaching Literacy Podcast. Uh, with that, let's get to today's episode. I think we'd all agree that in a student's education, there are several critical junctures, such as the transition from elementary to middle school or middle school to high school, and then obviously high school to post-secondary. But what about the transition from preschool to elementary school? My guest today has conducted research that investigates how preschool writing standards align with early elementary writing standards in states that adopted the Common Core state standards. Her name is Dr. Laura Tortorelli, and she is an assistant professor in the Department of Teacher Education at Michigan State University. Highlights of the conversation include insight into how the preschool and early writing standards are organized what practices these standards emphasize, how those practices align with research, and what it means for instruction in your classroom. Fantastic conversation. I learned a ton from Dr. Tortorelli. I really uh, appreciate and admire the work that she is doing. There will be plenty of takeaways for you in this episode. After the show, make sure to stick around for Jake's take on the conversation. <laughs> Dr. Laura Tortorelli, welcome to the Teaching Literacy Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to have you on the show today. We are talking about an article that was published in Reading Research Quarterly by you and your colleagues entitled Ready, Set, Write, Early Learning Standards for Writing in the Common Core Era. Give us a short history of your research background and then the context that initiated this investigation into early writing standards. Well, I am a professor of elementary literacy, or sorry, assistant professor of elementary literacy at Michigan State University. And so I teach teachers how to teach reading primarily. And most of my research is focused on how children are taught to read in kindergarten, first, second, and third grade. But one of the things that I'm very interested in is how writing plays into the development of reading skills, and particularly the skills that cut across both areas and how working on reading strengthens writing and how working on writing strengthens reading. There is a lot of evidence that early writing supports the reading trajectories and vice versa. I'm really interested in writing as part of this overall literacy development that we want to see kids achieve in the early grades. And so my research agenda focuses on all kinds of things related to reading and supporting early reading. This study actually does have sort of an origin story. Not all studies do, but in this case, I was talking to my colleagues, Dr. Gertie, Dr. Bingham, and Dr. Roloff, who all study early writing in preschool contexts and have been studying that for years and have terrific professional development for teachers in those contexts to support kids in beginning writing. And we were talking about how writing is conceptualized across these different spaces. 
and how teachers get very different training and support to teach writing in these different areas. That was sort of an ongoing conversation we were having with them. Another one of my colleagues told me that her son went to kindergarten and had a really bad first experience learning to write in kindergarten because he had come out of preschool where he had been taught how to write his name. And he was very proud about being able to write his name perfectly and he went into kindergarten and he thought he was ready to write his name and his teacher asked him to write and he wrote his name and then she wanted him to do all these other things he wanted, she wanted him to write other things write his ideas down and write opinion pieces and write a response to text like that kind of thing and he actually ended up crying because he was like no I this is all I know how to write and so we started talking about how the word writing has really different meanings across these two contexts and oftentimes, even in very high quality preschool settings, writing instruction is very much focused on these transcription skills and learning to write your name perfectly and handwriting. And then all of a sudden, when you get to elementary school, the expectations are much higher and how it can create you know, for this one child created like a very jarring transition to kindergarten experience. But really for all children, are we preparing kids to do the work that we're going to be asking them to do in elementary school appropriately? Or are we preparing them to do one thing and then expecting them to do something else when they get to kindergarten? I appreciate that perspective. It's very organically developed of an actual kid that there was one set of expectations here and another set of expectations there in that transition. And I believe in the literary world, that's called foreshadowing for things to come later in the podcast. So broadly, what were the goals of your study? So we've been discussing the idea that writing is conceptualized in different ways, in different contexts. And one of the things that's interesting about being in the broad field of early childhood is that we think of early childhood as really being from age three to eight, as far as literacy development, that there's all these different things that are happening in that period, but it's bifurcated <laughs> across very, very different contexts with different teacher training, different curricular materials, different funding models, different preschool and daycare contexts are just quite, quite different from elementary contexts. We've been talking for a while about whether we are using the same word to mean different things across these two different the goal of the study was really to see if that was true empirically. I think oftentimes you have, if you're in classrooms a lot, you intuit that something is going on. But if you're a researcher, you need to go out and collect some sort of data and see if it's true. Dr. Gertie and Bingham had already done some work around a content analysis of curricular materials and the kinds of supports for writing there. And so that was one way to understand how early writing was supported in preschool curricula. And the standards were another way of looking at that. Basically looking at how the word writing or the concept of writing is talked about across these different contexts. So it wasn't necessarily that the standards are the most important thing driving instruction, although standards do drive instruction and they drive teacher preparation and all of those things, but it was more a way to test out our hypothesis about how writing is conceived of in these two different Absolutely. There's an interplay between curriculum and standards, but broadly within a state, it's the standards at the most abstract level that's framing the way that instruction is, is being conceptualized and designed and assessed further down the layers of instructional supports to curriculum and then within individual districts and schools and classrooms and supporting instructions. I like that that's very complementary to perhaps other work by Dr. Bingham and Dr. Gertie and Dr. Roloff. In this specific study, you were looking at 
states that had adopted the Common Core state standards, and then you reviewed the preschool standards of those states. And uh, the reason for that being that Common Core state standards provide a somewhat similar perception of early writing in K2, K3, so that that could be a similar pool across those states. I think most folks are familiar with the development of the Common Core state standards, but may provide just a 30-second overview of the development of that, and then also of the preschool standards in those associated states and why the juncture between those two and thinking about it matters. So the Common Core were developed by national stakeholders and governors from each state, from the National Governors Association, pulling on both national educational leaders and stakeholders at each state to develop what we think are best consistent practices across states. We had a situation where each state was developing their own standards in isolation. And some of those were very good. And the Common Core certainly pulled from what states had already been using. But the idea was to really get all the states on one page and also to get students at the end of 12th grade to a predetermined level of literacy and math, what they were defining as college and career ready, so that you could leave 12th grade with the reading and math skills to go either straight into college or go to do whatever career you were interested in pursuing straight out of college. That certainly drew on work that had already been in place in those states. The goal was really sort of a backward design process. They start at what we want kids to be doing at the end of 12th grade and then worked backwards. And you can really see that through the architecture of the standards. Really, every standard has a version that appears at the 12th grade and a very, very, very rudimentary version of that same standard appears in kindergarten or there's a little note that says it doesn't appear in kindergarten. You can see that we're starting with where we want kids to end up and then we're moving backwards. And so in some ways, that increased the rigor, especially of early literacy standards. And this was a cause for some concern at the time. I know that not all states are using Common Core. Many states have adopted their own version or adapted their own version of these states now. But it was pretty significant shift at the time because so many states began using these standards at the same time. It really impacted curricular materials and what's available on the market. So even if you aren't in a Common Core state or you don't consider yourself to be using the Common Core anymore, these shifts in instruction still changed how we were thinking about things in the early grades, including the complexity of the text that kids were supposed to be reading and very much the complexity of the writing tasks that they were doing. And that's one of the reason we ended up focusing on writing. There was a big shift in the field in thinking about what kinds of writing kids should be doing from the very beginning. So very beginning of kindergarten, kids are writing opinion pieces about texts, for example. They're responding to texts in writing and they are composing their ideas and creating final written products. That is the direct result of sort of starting at the top and working our way back down. There was a lot of concern at the time that maybe this was going to be too hard or it was going to be making a kindergarten and first grade too academic. That was part of the reason that I was interested in looking at what was happening in preschool at the same time. Was the shift to these more rigorous writing standards that result from starting at the top and working your way back down, is that going to create a gap or a rift with the preschool instruction that has been traditionally offered? That's the common core. Preschool standards are really adopted still in that old school way, sort of state by state, looking at stakeholders, preferences, and thinking about what is important for licensure for different daycares and also for teacher preparation programs. They've typically focused more on what we know about development. So they've been more about what we know kids can do at each stage rather than what we are wanting them to do in the future. That was another reason we thought we might see a gap 
in between these two sets of standards, because the tradition for developing preschool standards has been more child focused and more developmentally focused rather than more academic outcomes. I think it's worth noting that even though Common Core state standards are a decade old now, and many states have even done an updated or another revision of their course since then, what you pointed out of that monumental shift and what's available on the market, I believe we're still in a Common Core era. In Utah, there's a standard revision happening right now, and we're midway through that process, and the draft version of the standards were released to the public last spring. When I look at them, I still see the thumbprint of the Common Core, even though things are being shuffled around and some of the language adjusted and, you know, some strands simplified and things like that, it still is Common Core, just perhaps a little bit different packaging. And then on the flip side of that, preschool standards haven't gone, they haven't shifted to that same backwards design approach where there's a common set of stakeholders across many states to reflect perhaps more nationally what might be expected. So it's much more dependent on local context. This study was specifically looking at do different states have different sort of perspectives of preschool writing versus what's expected to happen in kindergarten. Maybe to get the next piece on the chessboard here, let's let's talk about a couple key vocabulary words. Transcription, Composition and writing concepts, those are the three main lenses that you categorized the preschool standards in. Can you briefly talk through each of those terms and why they matter in early writing development? Yeah, absolutely. We adopted these terms from Lonigan's work and some other theoretical models that exist of writing. So they are not necessarily our categories, but building on the work of previous scholars who studied early writing. What we found is that there are really kind of three big baskets of things that kids need to learn to write. One is transcription skills. And those are the knowledge and skills that children need just to get things down on paper. That includes handwriting, which is a very big component of early childhood, because handwriting involves um, developing those visual motor skills that they need to hold the pen, manipulate the materials, learn the letter forms, and then form those in writing. That includes both uppercase and lowercase letters. That's one part of transcription. The other part of transcription is knowing how to spell the words once you've got those letters under your belt. And for early writers, that involves letter sound relationships and figuring out how those work and how those can be represented in writing. As kids develop up through the elementary grades, they learn bigger spelling patterns and have committed more spelling patterns to memory. So transcription is really everything you need to just get the words down on the page. And that includes both handwriting and spelling skills. Those are very important for writing development overall, because if you can't get the words down on the page, you really can't express yourself fluidly. And there's research that shows that those transcription skills and developing them to a point of automaticity in the elementary grades, I think accounts for up to like 60% of compositional fluency and 40 to 42% of compositional quality. Because if you can't get what you're trying to say out, it's very difficult to create a long, thoughtful piece in writing. So getting those skills squared away early is very important for developing writing. But also you'll notice that letter sound relationships and letter recognition are big parts of reading development. And actually that's the angle that got me interested in early writing. Having kids practice writing the letters helps them recognize the letters. They're attending to all the different parts of the letter form and having kids practice using letter sound relationships in their writing supports those phonics concepts and letter sound relationship knowledge developing in a way that will also help them decode words that they come across. So transcription skills are very important for supporting 
both reading and writing throughout the year of the grades. So that's one basket. Composition is the ideas, the content of what they're trying to write and being able to come up with ideas, understanding who you're communicating with, putting those ideas into words and sentences and figuring out how to organize that information are all part of the composing basket. As kids develop, this includes genre knowledge and that kind of thing as well. So the ideas that you're trying to communicate in writing are what we refer to as composing or composition in the study. Those are important because that's the purpose of writing. (laughs) That's what writing is for. And then that gets into the meaning of all of these, both reading and writing tasks, right, which are supposed to be communicative acts. So teaching kids to express their ideas Uh, first orally, and then how to do that in writing as well, is an important part of their academic development because it's teaching them to create new knowledge, not just be recipients of that knowledge. And so that's an important part of learning to write and engage in literacy throughout the early childhood period as well. Then writing concepts is a little bit more amorphous, but basically it's the the why, like it's understanding how written language works, why we write it all, that print represents language, that pictures are different than print, that there are different purposes for using print that are all part of the communicative basket. And these are important for both reading and writing because understanding how a book works in English and how it's different from other languages, it's really foundational to being able to participate in all that literacy instruction that they receive. Excellent. Thanks for that framing. So we have transcription, which is being able to efficiently produce print. And in the same way, we might think as decoding as a bottleneck to being able to process print. Transcription can be a bottleneck to producing effective print or print efficiently. And then composition, being able to organize ideas in a coherent way and communicate them. And then writing concepts is more as the form and function of print, print moving from left to right, that print can convey meaning, those types of ideas. So you reviewed preschool standards in Common Core States, and you categorize them into those three areas. Can you just briefly describe what that, you know, looked like, just manual review of standards and sorting into those three categories? Is that the gist of it? Yeah, I mean, it took a very long time to find all of the early childhood standards, because as we said, unlike the Common Core they're not unified. Every state does their own thing and they call them different things. This really started by going to every state website and finding their most up-to-date version of the standards, and then actually going through all of those documents to find the standards that related to writing. Most states did have a section of the standards that they called writing. So if they did that, we just pulled all of those standards out of the document. But some did. Some just had broad literacy standards, in which case we had to look through and identify the ones we thought were writing. For all states, we also looked through the other literacy standards and pulled out anything that was clearly related to writing. So we ended up with both kind of pulling everything that would be supportive of writing in the early childhood context. Then we created a big spreadsheet that had all of the standards. I think was it, uh, I'm trying to remember how many we ended up with. I think it was 458. Yeah, 458 standards from 42 states, the District of Columbia and the Head Start standards that addressed writing in some way. So then we had a large spreadsheet and Dr. Rebecca Roloff and I sat down and worked through a bunch of them together, just seeing if we could easily categorize them into one category or the other. And we learned a lot (laughs) by doing that, including the fact that many standards actually cut across these categories and they needed to be double coded. 
we needed to have some hybrid mm-hmm. standards as well. It also helped us refine sort of the words that we thought fit, the terms that we thought were better aligned with transcription versus composition. For example, at first, anything with letters in it, we thought would probably be a transcription standard, but we also wanted to divide those into handwriting and spelling. And both of those have the term letters in it. So we needed to further refine what kids were doing with the letters to determine if it was a handwriting or a spelling standard. We did that manually first, both working together and then separating out and trying to see if we could do it independently. We used that to refine our terms, but then we actually did a second round of coding that used a tool called Encoder that actually looks for the specific search terms and can basically computer assist you in coding. So we ended up with just categorizing standards based on uh, whether Dr. Roloff and I agreed and whether or not Encoder also agreed with us. So there were sort of three rounds of coding new standards. And the ultimate result was that standards were first coded for composition, yes or no, for transcription, yes or no, or for writing concepts, yes or no, so that they could end up being all three. So we ended up coding all of them three different times, basically, and then going back and looking through to see which ones addressed more than one year. So true to most studies, the analysis was probably the more straightforward part. It's the wrangling and, you know, getting everything organized in the way that you need to analyze it. That's the time consuming and iterative and brain stretching part. Yes, absolutely. We learned a lot just from digging into them together and and seeing what kinds of language were being used across the different states. So let's then get to the analysis. Let's start with transcription. What were your findings in the preschool transcription standards? We found that over half of the preschool standards addressed transcription in some way. That was by far the biggest category. And within those, 90% of them addressed handwriting only. There was a lot, a lot of focus on basic handwriting practice, developing the fine motor skills that are needed, learning how to hold a pencil, uh, learning how to make marks on paper. A lot of this was related to name writing and helping kids learn how to write their name, which we know is a big goal in preschool. But basically, there was a very large focus in the preschool standards on writing as a um, transcription task, primarily around letter formation to have half of them be transcription and then 90% of that 50% be specifically handwriting, that that communicates a lot about what's being valued in the preschool realm across states. So then let's cover composition and writing concepts that were roughly the other half of the standards. Yeah, composition was addressed, I think, in 38% of the standards and writing concepts in 26. So, you know, a little over a third addressed composition and about a quarter writing concepts. Remember, they can overlap to some extent. So these are not exclusive categories. So composition was addressed. But I will say that in many cases, it was all oral composition. Students were encouraged to retell a story or dictate a story to a teacher. So they were working on composition skills, but orally. They were there. They were a smaller percentage of the standards. And you could see how kids would think that that wasn't writing (laughs) since they weren't actually doing the writing themselves. That notion of being able to orally produce something and then having a teacher dictate it, I think that's a really interesting one that perhaps later we can dig in on is, does that count as writing production, you know, yes or no? But do you have any specific language from any of the state standards that you feel capture really well what we're trying to discuss here? One thing I should say about the writing concepts also is that we did say that they were 25% of the standards, 
But in most cases, they were st- those standards were not necessarily labeled as writing standards. So we pulled them in because oh. we saw they were related to writing, but they were almost always just generally literacy or reading standards. So for example, being able to identify what a word is in text because it has spaces before and after it. That's obviously something that kids need for writing, but it was almost always associated with our reading standards. So again, that knowledge was there, but it wasn't necessarily really closely tied to writing activities or writing instruction, if that makes sense. Yes. And I think that's that's a fantastic point. You have a nice little vignette in your piece that shows, let's see, I'm looking at page 742, where it talks about different states interpreting different standards in different ways. So for example, you mentioned that there's the kindergarten standard, demonstrate command of conventions of standard English grammar and usage when writing or speaking. And in Massachusetts, that was changed to demonstrate use of oral language to inform everyday activities. And then a substandard of print many upper and lowercase letters was dropped, which turned that standard into an oral language standard. Mm -hmm. But then Maryland kept that same standard, but shifted it into a name writing standard. And then Utah interpreted it as an alphabet, you know, recognition standard. And I thought that was fascinating that this is an example of even though there's Common Core, different states interpreting that in slightly different ways based on their individual context and other factors. And, you know, and certainly that probably influences preschool writing standards being conceived and designed and framed as well. Do you have any more elaboration sort of on other little examples like that or more on that specific one? Yeah, as I said, one of the concerns when these new Common Core writing standards when they were new, when they came out, um, was that they were raising the bar for academic skills in kindergarten and that that would trickle down into preschool and would create, you know, a sort of academic-focused preschool that moved away from some of the play-based things that we really value and we know are really important in those spaces. And there was a little bit of that. The more recent standards clearly were informed by the existence of the Common Core State Standard, but there was no consensus in how to make them easier, (laughs) how to make them developmentally appropriate um, across states. And so one thing that we saw is that there seemed to be some skepticism about whether or not kids can write preschool right like um and like one approach was definitely to just take the writing piece out and have the teacher do all the writing as freddie hebert always says our teachers are getting really good at reading our preschool teachers must be getting really good at writing right because they're doing all the writing in some of these standards but really there's this idea that was kind of popping up across even with the common core influencing that the common core may have reinforced which is that there is this period of time where we focus on transcription skills first, right? There's a transcription first, and that's supposed to happen in preschool. And then once they've got that under their belts, then they're going to move on and be able to just focus on composition and big ideas in their writing. And that's not what the research says. That's not what theoretical models about writing say. Basically, kids can compose quite early. They can get their ideas down on paper. It just doesn't necessarily look like conventional writing yet, right? But that they can um, think about writing as meaning making quite early in development. And then on the converse, kids actually do need support to develop transcription skills to automaticity throughout the elementary grades. So this idea that they're going to do a bunch of handwriting in preschool and that we don't need to do it that much anymore (laughs) in elementary school, I think probably harmful for kids in both spaces because in fact, all of these skills are developing together throughout that early childhood period. Yeah, absolutely. Thinking about the junctures in our 
education system really mattered. You know, the off-ramp of elementary school and the on-ramp of middle school and the same thing from middle school to high school and then even high school to post-secondary learning or career. And that transition from preschool into kindergarten also really deserves our attention. So did you find that the standards were aligned really well? Yes or no? And then what areas of alignment or misalignment did you find in your research? I would say the alignment is there and that composition shows up in both places and is clearly valued in both places. But we have a lot of work to do when we think about where kids are coming out of preschool and what kinds of support they would need from there. For example, as I said, most of the standards focused on transcription. And here are some examples of what those standards look like. Experiment with a variety of writing tools and surfaces. That's sort of like a classic (laughs) standard that showed up over and over again across many different states. That one is specifically from Hawaii, published in 2014. Or use known letters and approximations of letters to write their own name and some familiar words. That one was from North Carolina in 2013. So you can see how these are good standards, right? They are getting kids started, but they're by no means providing all of the scaffolding and support they would need to write all the letters, right? (laughs) Or even to be able to match those letters to sounds, which is what they would need to do to start writing for meeting in kindergarten. And again, the kindergarten writing standards do include writing for meaning. In fact, everything in the writing area of the Common Core is some sort of compositional focused standard. There are different levels of transcription that kids can bring to that task, but they're clearly supposed to be writing for meaning fairly early on in their educational career. You can see that there's a lot of room between using known letters and approximations of letters um, to write some words and to use those things to support composition. That's just one example. Another is spelling. I mentioned that spelling was not a big mm-hmm. emphasis in the early childhood standards. There were some that, for example, Rhode Island had a standard that children should spell words phonetically, and Oregon had one around using invented spelling, but those were very, very rare. And in fact, that spelling support in the context of writing is very important for kids if they're going to be trying to compose independently, because they need to be able to draw on those letter-sound relationships and understand how to do that and get some practice doing that and apply what they're learning in their phonics and spelling instruction to their writing tasks. And there really wasn't very much emphasis on that at all. In the Common Core, there is there are spelling standards, quite a few spelling standards, but they're not necessarily connected to the writing standards either. And so there was definitely some room to teach kids how to use what they're learning and their spelling to compose. I think that's an important segue into thinking about what some of this means for instruction inside classrooms. And the first thing I want to talk about is standards for for a minute. One of the critiques I've seen of the Common Core is there's so many standards and the exact phenomena that you're mentioning is, you know, things that are linked are sort of scattered throughout different domain areas of the core. And if we're thinking in an early education classroom, if we're expecting a student to spell phonetically, that that requires several other strands of knowledge too. You know, they have to be able to have alphabet knowledge and being able to have a grapheme map to a phoneme and then being able to accurately transcribe that. So there's those different threads that sort of have to be stacked together, but sometimes we have to teach them one at a time sequentially. What advice would you give for an early elementary teacher that's just trying to unpack the writing standards in his or her state and determining what it means for instruction with their students? Mm -hmm. Well, slightly different 
advice for elementary and preschool teachers just because of what the standards are trying to work toward. They both have lots of strengths, but also some gaps, right? So the main thing that I worry about when we look at the early childhood standards is that they could give the impression that kids are supposed to be doing all of these things in isolation, right? They describe discrete skills, but that could imply that the instructional activities should be discrete. So if you are teaching a lesson that works towards, say, the Kentucky standard of rights, familiar words, I would not want you to just have kids copying a bunch of familiar (laughs) words, right? Um, That would not, even if that's the goal, that's not necessarily the best instructional way to get to the goal. I would really look for opportunities to think about writing as a way to develop an instructional activity, right? Rather than a standard or a goal, right? And writing is an instructional activity where kids draw on their transcription skills, and use them, they, where they draw on their compositional knowledge and use them, right? Um, and draw on those print concepts and put them to use. And so I would really encourage teachers to think about writing activities that can allow them to develop and put to use these skills in an integrated context. Because that's really what was missing from the early childhood standards was the idea that writing is a holistic activity that in which you bring these things together and actually use them to make a meaningful message. And so that would be my number one advice for early early childhood teachers is to not think about each individual standard, but think about the instructional activities that will move kids toward those standards, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I appreciate that notion because the most beneficial thing, some of the most beneficial things that I've done as an educator is spending time with the core and really reading broadly across it and being able to link different things together across the domain areas there. And yes, that's time consuming. And yes, that's probably not like a Monday morning type activity before school starts. That's going to take a Friday afternoon or a day in the summer to really, you know, grok that very deeply. But I felt when I've taken the time to do that, that I've understood curriculum better. I've understood state direction or school district direction and policy better. And so I do highly recommend that, you know, those are individual standards, but they are contributing to a whole W-H-O-L-E, you know, whole, and that we can stack those together to provide really meaningful activities that have a rich scaffold. Thanks for that perspective. So then thinking about the composing transcription relationship that perhaps a listener might be listening to this and that would be a takeaway. Well, preschool, it's transcription versus composition and which one's better, but how do you reconcile those two? How can teachers support children in composing while they're also developing transcriptions that we're doing both and, and not either, or, or one has to be in place before the other? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of research around interactive writing all the way up through first grade, actually, in which teachers are modeling writing by actually doing think alouds about their transcription and writing concepts while they're demonstrating the writing on the board. The idea in interactive writing is that the children are all helping you compose orally, right? The things that we want to say, but then you at the front of the room are modeling how to think about this. So the children will come up with a sentence they want to write. Then you'll help them think about how many words are in that sentence, how you're going to represent those words in the writing, and then going down into the individual sound level. So how what sounds do I hear in each word and how can I represent those sounds? You also bring in things like 
I capitalize the first word of a sentence. I put a period at the end of the sentence. And as children develop familiarity with all of these different things, you can bring them up to the front of the room and have them help you write different words or different parts of words or add the period at the end and that kind of thing. And so there's actually quite a bit of evidence supporting that sort of modeling with children contributing to bring these things together. So I would say that that is one instructional recommendation that would go very well with the current standards, but would help with the integration of those current standards and would help preschool kids think about using those transcription skills to produce meaning, which is what we're going to be asking them to do over and over again in elementary spaces. That would be one thing. The other thing has come up a few times, but the attention to invented spelling is just so small (laughs) across the standards because of course, The goal is to get them to conventional spelling. So I think that that can be confusing, but this invented spelling or what's sometimes called phonetic spelling is a tool for children to start to use what they know about letters and sounds in their own writing. And once you teach kids that they can do that, that allows them to do a lot more compositionally and to write more independently. So then they're not like stopping you every few minutes to ask how to spell a word. (laughs) And so it's not the end goal of spelling instruction to have them spell a words phonetically, but the ability to do that really unlocks a lot of opportunities for composition. And I think that connection is not well understood (laughs) or represented in the standards. Yeah, absolutely. Thinking of invented or phonetic spelling as a transition, that's a way to remove that bottleneck of transcription so a student can focus on composition. I think a lot of times in writing instructions, what's your end target? If my end target is composition, if I care mostly about students' ideas, then I'm going to, you know, let students use a lot more invented spelling in that composition process. But if we are working on transcription or integrating some like phonemic awareness type instruction, being able to discriminate and isolate or identify each of the individual sounds within a word, well then, yeah, then I really do care about spelling phonetically because that's what we're targeting. It's so much, you know, what is your instructional objective? I would point listeners to episode seven, clear back one of the first ones I talked with Dr. Chen Yi Zhang, and he talks about sharing the pen in a morning meeting with preschoolers, and he did that in Head Start classrooms. And then also Zoe Filipakos was on the podcast last year and did a great conversation about integrating think aloud and really dialogic approach to generating content orally before we start uh, transcribing it. So a next area of bridge to practice I want to talk about, and this is one that I've been asked questions about, I've had good conversations around, is are we in a post handwriting post-transcription world. I tap on my phone and I have autocorrect. I'm in Google Docs or Word. And as an adult, the handwriting that we do is very minimal for most folks. So does handwriting and spelling, does that really count? Do we really care about that still in early elementary? Yeah. Yes. I get this question all the time. So thank you for asking. Yes. For little kids, this is still really important because of what we talked about earlier, which is that learning to form the letters is part of learning the letter shapes to automaticity. Something else that I should say came up in our review was that most of the early childhood standards focused on uppercase letters, but in fact, it's the lowercase letters that are really confusing for kids. And learning to make those is actually a big part of how you are committing those to memory. 
and that helps with letter recognition and also with linking those letters to letter sounds. So in fact, all of that transcription work that we're having kids do is foundational to their reading as well as their writing. Even if they're going to learn to type eventually, having that foundation in the letter recognition and the letter sounds is really important to their development overall. So yes, they do need help with that. And uh, to be honest, we're seeing this post-pandemic, right? Kids were not writing as much during their pandemic instruction. My own son was in kindergarten, so I can attest to that. They were typing. They were doing other types of literacy activities. They were clicking, that kind of thing. And as a result, they are still having a lot of compositional fluency issues in third grade. I think there's a new report that just came out that showed that third graders are actually having quite a bit more difficulty with their literacy learning than kids who are just even a year older when the pandemic started. And I think a lot of this had to do with not getting opportunities to write, (laughs) to physically write down their thoughts. Um, You can see it if you just go into a third grade classroom. Handwriting is an issue and it's slowing them down to being able to like put their ideas on paper in the classroom and it's getting in the way of their compositional fluency. So that's still a part of it. Even with all of these wonderful technological tools, you still have to have very good letter sound knowledge (laughs) to type, right? And typing is a different type of print concepts. And it's very important that they can learn that. But you still have to be able to recognize the letters quickly and find them on a keyboard or on your phone. And even with the autocorrect everything, you still have to get pretty close (laughs) to the correct word or you're not going to be able to find it. Those things are wonderful assists for adults who are are trying to type fast, but they don't replace the work that kids need to do to learn to read and write. Absolutely. I appreciate that notion. One of my first projects, it was my very first semester as a doc student. And in a small group, we did a lit review on keyboarding practices. And and this sort of blew my mind at the time, but it makes complete sense now of when you are typing, if I'm typing the letter D or the letter J or the letter K, it's the exact same fine motor skill process for each one. It's just a keystroke, right? A D or a J, I'm just pushing a button. But whereas when I have to handwrite a D and I have to handwrite a J, it's a different process, a different fine motor articulation of the hand that actually creates those letters. And for our early learners that are just learning, that we're giving alphabet knowledge to, they, they have to know the letter sound, they have to know the letter name, but they have to be able to know what the letter shape is, what the actual graphing is. And so thinking of you know, Linnea Aries' work or Charles Perfetti around lexical quality, that that has to be mapped really accurately and really, really tightly. And so I completely agree with the notion that especially in the early elementary world, we do care a lot about transcription, accurate letter formation, because that's going to help both sides of the coin there, the reading side and the writing side, to be able to have that strong alphabet knowledge of letter name, letter sound, letter shape. I think there are lots of adults who are like, oh, I'm not a good speller or my handwriting is terrible and I'm fine. But that's not what really we're talking about. We're not talking about having perfect handwriting or beautiful handwriting just for the sake of beautiful handwriting. We're talking about a really deep knowledge of the orthographic system that kids need to build. And even if you as an adult have trouble spelling, you know, accommodation or feel like other people can't read your handwriting, that's a very different thing than not having gone through the learning process of actually learning how to write those letters and sounds. Exactly. I love that. So in thinking also about that backward spiral and the trickle-down effect. Do you have recommendations for how writing can be taught more rigorously in kindergarten and in first grade without just saying, well, we're just going to move everything from second grade into first grade now and everything from first grade into kindergarten? Is that the approach you recommend or is there a different way of maybe approaching that rigorous writing, but in a kindergarten way? Mm-hmm. One of the things I really like about the Common Core State Standards is that they do forefront meaning. 
right? And the kids are writing to express their own thoughts about books and other things from very beginnings. And so that to me is rigorous, right? Asking kids to have their own opinions and to express those in writing is a good thing. The thing that we need to keep in mind is that when we're asking kids to do more complex tasks earlier, we need to be there with the instructional support. What kids need to be able to engage in these higher level writing tasks earlier is a lot of scaffolding during the writing process. So for example, helping kids figure out how to use invented spelling to write down the words that they want, figuring out how to apply what they're learning in their alphabet or phonics lessons to their spelling to apply what they're learning about print concepts in their reading and writing and that kind of thing. Kids can do a lot if we're prepared to offer them the scaffolding and instructional support that they need. And then if they're able to express themselves and communicate their ideas, then that's motivating and that needs to be attended to too. I think sometimes we think we can just increase the rigor without attending to motivation. And that can't, that won't work. If kids are motivated and they have the support, they can do rigorous work, but that support has to be there. And that involves understanding what all the different components of writing are and what kinds of support kids are going to need to be able to produce them. Something else I really like about the Common Core Writing Standards is that there's a heavy focus on revision so that like you're not just writing something once and that's your only shot at it, but you can get your ideas down on paper and then you can go back and start to think about how to strengthen writing. That's present throughout K-12 writing standards. And I think that's something that we can really help the kids see as well, right? That we're asking you to write something that's long and complex and it might have like punctuation used correctly or that kind of thing, but you don't have to do it all at once. We're going to take it a little bit at a time and I'm going to help you at every step along the way. And you're going to have chances to improve your writing over time. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that I think can help kids do that more rigorous work as well. I love those notions. Dr. Dan Reynolds talks about this more in the secondary realm, but you know, he talks about the type of scaffold we provide is contingent on the task that the students are expected to complete. And so if we are expecting more challenging, dynamic, complex tasks from our young writers, then we respond with a better scaffold, a more intentional scaffold. Similarly, I love this notion of revision of being able to it's not a one and done, but that we can have multiple iterations, right, at writing. And I just so consistently see now that you know, writing is reading comprehension backwards, where in Common Core, we've had the close reading phenomenon where a text isn't one and done with reading, but I can go back and reread portions of the text multiple times to sort of dig a little bit deeper each time. We're saying the same thing with writing too, that I can go back and revise a text multiple times to, you know, add or play with different layers of meaning to create a better compositional text. And so it's perhaps not as much breadth. I'm not just producing written piece after written piece, but spending more time with one to have a better final product in the hopes that over time I can do better final products more fluently, more efficiently with less revision. I worked with a kindergarten teacher here in Michigan who did the most amazing thing where she would have her kindergarten kids write and then save that writing in a folder. They had a little portfolio of their writing. And then every time they learned a new spelling concept, they would go back through their own writing and be like, oh, I know how to write this word now. (laughs) Like I didn't know how to write it before. I only had an S, but I needed an SH. So I'm going to go back and find all the words that I used in my writing that have SH and like added it. And they were so motivated by that. You have to be the right (laughs) teacher. Right. But like, you know, but they were so motivated to find, to improve their own writing portfolios as they were getting new information and going back and applying it. 
to these things that they really wanted to express and communicate. And I just thought that was just a beautiful example of integrating that work into writing and developing this really positive attitude towards the writing process and the revision process from the very beginning. I love that idea. And then how much does that show by the end of kindergarten, a student can see, wow, I learned a whole lot. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Maybe one last uh, bridge to practice question I have for you is we mentioned earlier about oral dictation or student dictation and then teacher transcription. In your view, does that count as writing instruction or writing production in preschool or kindergarten setting? Okay, good question. So according to the standards, yes, that does count, but it's primarily how composition is being developed through oral composition and through having teachers dictate. We haven't talked about this that much, but so, so many early childhood standards are about dictating ideas to the teacher and having the teacher write them down. So yes, it does count as writing because it does help them develop their ideas, help them think through the composition process. And to a certain extent, they are seeing the teacher write it down. So they are seeing a little bit of modeling there. So it counts as writing in the standards and it certainly will support key compositional skills and some other skills as well. But here's the thing that I think we should keep in mind. The kids don't think of it as writing, right? They don't think they're writing. They think the teacher is writing, <laughs> right? And so that comes into ideas of self-efficacy around writing, right? They don't think they can do it necessarily unless they're given opportunities and support to do it on their own. So it's not necessarily that it isn't writing instruction or it's not important. It's that it doesn't allow the kids to see themselves as like the full authors of what they're doing. I appreciate that perspective. I hadn't quite thought of it in that lens before, but I think that's, you know, spot on of, of all the common core standards. I don't know that the dictation one is the most pragmatic one teacher in a group of students, you know, you know, perhaps more whole group, obviously, but, you know, individual that gets very complex, very quick, but this notion of perhaps something like that might help with students being able to organize their ideas or craft some coherence around something without having the transcription burden, but similar to the phonetic spelling stage or invented spelling that it's a stage that we want to pass through, but it sounds like maybe supporting invented spelling might be a better trade-off for most teachers in the sense that then they are connecting that they are the ones doing the writing and not just the teacher, you know, reproducing or transcribing their ideas. Right. I do worry that we sometimes communicate to kids accidentally that they can't do things by helping them too much, right? So it's about the right level of scaffolding. Contingency, right? Scaffold <laughs> contingency. So excellent. Well, Dr. Laura Tortolelli, thanks for joining us on the Teaching Literacy Podcast. It's been a joy talking with you. One last question. What do you think makes a great teacher? So, so many things go into being a great teacher, but what I've been thinking about in relationship to this paper and everything we've been talking about today is the ability to see where your students are and provide the right level of support to get them to the next level. That, as you said, contingency and scaffolding. So that pulls a lot of developmental knowledge, but a lot of individual knowledge of your particular students. I think the ability to integrate that, right, to know what developmental trajectories are, and to see where your kids are and what they need next. I think that sort of nexus is what makes a great teacher. Wonderful. Dr. Laura Tortorelli, thanks for joining us on the Teaching Literacy Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. A big thank you to Dr. Tortorelli for joining us on the show. Here's my take on the conversation. I love research that looks at standards. And I think there needs to be more of it. Standards are a huge player in ELA instruction. 
And I think they spend a lot of time lurking in the background, but they drive curriculum design from, from curriculum and publishing companies. They drive curriculum adoption. They can drive assessment and they can even drive things like high stakes assessments at the state level. So, you know, they're the sort of superstructure that's organizing so much of how we operate. And uh, I ascribe to a garbage in, garbage out mentality that standards with better organization and better alignment to research are going to be overall for the structure of English language arts instruction than standards that are less well organized or don't really uh, align with research very well. And so uh, I think it's very important for every educator to understand the standards that they are hired to teach. And I know that's not the most uh, engaging or the, the, the funnest use of, of a teacher's time. But at the same time, I, I think it is incredibly important to understand what we're being hired to teach and thinking really critically about how we can meet those standards, how we can teach them in an effective way. Remembering that standards are an outcome. They don't describe the roadmap, how to get there. And they are also an outcome for the end of year. They are end of year proficiency standards. So thinking about standards, what Dr. Tortorelli highlights here is really important. That development of good writers is not an either or proposition. That uh, nice, pretty handwriting doesn't mean a whole lot if that handwriting can't convey information. At the same time, having lots of great information to convey doesn't mean a whole lot either if it can't actually be transcribed and written down. So it's it's not this either or, it's a both and. And that's very easy for me to say, sitting in my basement in the comforts of my own computer, uh, speaking that into a microphone. Uh, I'm, I'm not currently in front of a bunch of kindergartners trying to do it, but I do think that um, it, is, it is a doable proposition. And I think there's lots of great research out there that can help show us how to do it. If you're looking for a more pragmatic, this is what it looks like, I, I highly recommend uh, taking a look at Zoe Filipakos' work. We did an interview with her on the podcast. Uh, she has several great books that are out and other great book chapters that really show pragmatically this is what it looks like to do it. Um, but but it, it, in, in this conversation and thinking about standards, I also highly encourage you to get cozy with your standards. Unpack them. Look at the nouns and verbs. Look at how they are organized standard by standard where they might overlap within writing standards and where they might overlap with other ELA standards and how they might be organized better to, to, meet your, to meet your specific situation. And finally, and this I highly recommend, is picking or curating some front burner standards. Which two or three standards are the one that are your no bend, no break standards? They are the ones that have to happen. And those become sort of the the uh the center hub of of your curriculum wheel and then you're using the other back burner standards as spokes to help that wheel turn uh one one critique of of standards in in the common core era has been that there are so many standards and i i completely uh understand that and and i feel that um and i i think we can lessen our cognitive load and we can focus on things that matter most if we curate the standards that matter the most to us. That's all I've got for you today. Again, thank you for an awesome 2022. Thank you for spending your time with me here on the show. I know there are a million other things that could grab your attention, grab your ears, um, that you, even things that are much more entertaining than what we are doing here. But 
I believe it's very important that we communicate research to teachers and we, 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 we do it directly and we, we curtail uh, that we just talk straight. And I, I'm grateful for folks that have listened to us on the podcast and have enabled me to keep doing this because I, I really enjoy doing it. So uh, I will catch you in 2023. Until next time, let's go and teach reading and writing just a little bit better. <laughs>